Let's open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm really excited to preach God's word to us this morning, and in part it's because of the simple sentence that these verses end with. We'll just read that and then we'll pray. I've got a few thoughts for you uh, that I hope will be an encouragement and help to you from God's word, and then we will uh, celebrate communion together, the Lord's Supper. Look back to what Christ has done. Look forward to his return. Listen to this last verse of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. God's word says this. Whatever he said before, this is the conclusion. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you should ask what it's there for. Right? It's pointing back to what was just said. Therefore, encourage or comfort one another, each other, with these words. Whatever was just said, we are supposed to be encouraged by ourselves and it's supposed to so encourage us that we can't help but talk about it with each other. And then when we get encouraged and we talk to each other about it, then other people get encouraged. It's just this wild circle of like encouragement, 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 encouragement. And I can already tell by just saying the future is bright and how you all responded that we could use some encouragement. So let's pray and hear what God has to say to us this morning. God, thank you for your word. It is the food that our souls need. We, we, even though we don't really believe this, we need it more than our daily food. We need your hope, your peace, your joy. We need your truth to sink into our hearts and not just to be something we hear on a Sunday morning and kind of ho-hum go about our day and forget, but we need you to drive it deep into our hearts by your spirit to do a holy work in us. We are so squished into the mold of this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and that can only happen through your truth. So, so sanctify us by your truth this morning, we pray. Your word is truth. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Now, before we get to the encouragement, we didn't quite get to the end of uh, the couple paragraphs last week, so I want us to read back in verse 9 through verse 12 as Paul continues to challenge this great church to follow the Lord. He says a couple things here that you could spend a whole sermon on, but we won't. I actually had a couple people at Picnic and Prayer this week who were like, oh, I can't believe we're skipping that paragraph. So good. And they're right. And we're skipping that paragraph. All right, so here you go. Although we could be like the Bereans and go home and study it for ourselves and you would get some great things out of it. So you do that. Verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Isn't that amazing? God taught them even though they weren't directly taught by a person. They were taught by God. For indeed... For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers through Macedonia. Isn't it funny? Paul's like, we don't need to say this, but he says it anyway. We've all done that. Verse 11, or verse, end of verse 10. But we urge you, here's a way we want to push you. By the way, I hope you welcome being pushed. Some of us are so protective of ourselves and our ways that we we're wearing steel-toed boots around and we won't let God step on our toes. I hope you want to be pushed. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire. That's the word for ambition. Have this ambition, but then look at what he says, to live quietly and to mind your own business. 
mind your own affairs and to work with your hands, work hard as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders, people who don't know Jesus, and be dependent on no one. It's so funny. We think sometimes as Christians to make an impact, we need to make a lot of noise. We need to, to, to join together and have a voice and scream it from the rooftops and make a video and help it go viral and everyone will share it and that'll, that'll make an impact. Paul says, you want to make an impact in the world, aspire to live quietly, to mind your own business and to work hard and people will see a difference in you. And isn't that true? People aren't going to see a difference in us because we yell louder than someone else. But people will see a difference as we follow God faithfully, quietly, honestly, humbly, working diligently. God does work. And that brings us to verse 13. There we are. And the message for today. We have, as Christians, a bright future. A bright future future. I love this picture because it captures the sunrise that we've kind of used as part of the theme of 1 Thessalonians, the return of Jesus and, and what's on the horizon. But I love the little girl there and just, I'm, I'm, I would guess it's not a Bible, but just that she has a book open. And I think it so well fits with what God has to say here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I don't know about you, but I feel this way sometimes. There's a famous adage in uh, news, actually, media. If it bleeds, it leads. Colleen grew up outside Detroit, and I remember watching the five o'clock news with her in Detroit and getting a very rude awakening. I grew up in New Hampshire. It's not perfect, but pretty peaceful, not very violent, you know, pretty quiet place. Live free or die. That was New Hampshire. So it's kind of like, do your own thing. Then I go to Detroit area. Colleen lives right, or her family lived right between Detroit and Ann Arbor. And they love to watch the five o'clock news. My family didn't really watch the news. Maybe that's why I didn't feel it the same way. And it was like the first three lead stories involved like murder and theft. Bam, fires, you know, arson. It was crazy. And, and in a weird way as human beings, we're like, we cannot turn this off. Look at that. Well, we probably should turn it off, but we can't. And if you think about the noise that's out there, this is, why, this is why Danny reminds us all the time that the headlines you read are not the eternal headlines. But they're the headlines, aren't they? We're in debt up to our eyeballs. We are. And we keep spending. That's going to work out well. Right? For years here in Utah, it's been all about the drought, water conservation, and, you know, flip, flip your trip, flip, flip your park strip, right? Make it, you know, zero skate. Now it's about flooding. Now we have too much rain. <laughs> it's awesome. Right? It's always something. Uh, we went back to Colorado a couple weeks ago because a 57-year-old guy we knew and loved found out he had cancer and was dead in 10 days. And we deal with real-life hardship and death, don't we? And the, the, the idea that if it bleeds, it leads is not just true in, the, in like the macro view of the media, is it? Isn't this true in your own heart? If you've got 10 things in your life that are going really well and you got one thing in your life that's going really bad, what is it that dominates your thoughts? Right? Are you like me? The Ritters have a new baby. It's amazing. Right? Jonathan William, right? Yeah. How old now? Two months, right? 
I can promise you, because I know Steve and Jessica well, they were youth sponsors for a number of years. I can promise you, with God's help, they are great parents. You know how they're feeling right now? Very tired, very lost. But the truth is, from an objective perspective, there's a lot of things going really well. Right? Does your baby eat? Yes. Is your baby clothed? Yes. Yeah, has more clothes than that little dude knows what to do with. <laughs> right? Wait till baby number two, baby number three, right? You'll start doing what Colleen's sister did called shopping in the box. Right? <laughs> Another word for hand-me-downs. Does he have two loving parents who hold him and nurse him and burp him dilly burps? And Yeah. Are they having issues with having a new baby? Sure. There's probably a couple things that are not working out right. And they're just like, what is it easy to get all wrapped up in thinking about? Man, it's that one or two. That, that's our human nature. And throughout this sermon this morning, I've kind of chosen like a, a camping tent, tent mode, but I think it's, it's very unrealistic because of how the tent looks. If you've camped at any time other than the first time you camped, you know your tent starts to look a little bit not as awesome, right? Or your camper or whatever. But this is how some of us feel. This is what our tent looks like. And we're like propping it up with sticks and, you know, it's like shanty life. We're trying to survive. Anybody else feel worn down? Anybody else wonder about the future? The great news from 1 Thessalonians 4 is that God gives us encouragement that lasts even in the face of death. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But the Bible says, this is God's word, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope, here are the encouraging statements. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. And Paul doesn't include that phrase on accident. I'll hit that real quick. That we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not proceed those who have fallen asleep. Some of your Bibles say prevent. The idea is go, go before, proceed. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Anybody ever wanted to fly? What is it about the human fascination with flying? I was thinking this week that I'm kind of built like a dodo bird, right? Like if there was, a, if there was something that could be flightless, I'm, I'm in the category. Marion looks like he could fly. He's got the right height to weight ratio to fly. One day when Jesus comes back, we will fly. Man. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, this is the phrase, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Are we simply, after death, going into the unknown? This is what the people of Paul's day were asking. What will happen to Christians after they die? Is this just some path into nowhere? We hope we don't end up rotting in the grave and having nothing else. You know, we hope that it's not just a, a myth. 
And Paul says, actually, God has told us something that will really help us. We are not just going into the unknown. But this reminds us that there's a general danger in life of being uninformed. I hope that as a Christian, you want to forever be a learner, just as a person. That you recognize there are things you don't know. There are areas where you can grow. It doesn't matter if, if you've trusted in Jesus a year ago or you trusted him 50 years ago. It doesn't matter if you're here searching. You're like, I don't even know if I know Jesus. Great, you're in, a, you're in the right place. But knowing God and knowing about him is a constant journey. You don't ever have all the answers. And, and life is pretty good at reminding us about this, isn't it? We're actually really excited about an idea that we have for the fall. And I won't totally tell you about it right now, but we are working on kind of breaking out into some different learning opportunities throughout the week and kind of decentralizing a little bit from what we've done and providing a wider range of options on different topics for different age groups and all kinds of things, whatever, whatever leadership we have, wherever it's a fit. But one of our rhythms on the back wall is learn in studies. I hope you don't assume that because you come on Sunday morning, you've got everything you need. I hope you keep wanting to learn, that you keep opening God's word on your own and with other people and learn and grow. There's always room to grow. It's easy to look down at people younger than us and think they need to learn something. But what we ought to be doing is looking at ourselves and going, hey, I, there's always a chance I'm uninformed. You know, as a pastor, I don't have all the answers. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly growing. I'm a better youth pastor now than I was 20 years ago. That doesn't mean I shouldn't have been. It just means I had a lot to learn. And then over time, you learn and you grow. So Paul doesn't want these people to be uninformed. And they had a specific question, what happens to Christians after they die? So this paragraph and the next paragraph will cover that. I think we say sometimes, wouldn't it be nice to know the future? Right? We'd probably invest our money differently. We'd choose our job differently. My friend who, who died of cancer at 57 probably would have done some things differently if he had known that he was right around the corner from the end of his life. And on a human level, we don't know the future. We just have to take it one day at a time. Trust the Lord. But when it comes to our ultimate future, we're not just going into the unknown. We do know. C.S. Lewis, I have two quotes from him this morning. This is one. He says something powerful. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. And man, you just asked Solomon. He tried every single thing possible. And he found this world cannot satisfy you. The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. That's true. Here's three encouraging facts in the verses that we read. We'll hit these quickly and wrap up. Three facts. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, Jesus is the reason your future can be bright. Look at verse 14. Paul says this. God's word says this. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Our future is linked to our faith. Since we believe, our future is also inseparably linked to Jesus. In the psalm that Katie read this morning, it talked about how, how God would not leave his holy one, he's talking about Jesus, in the grave. He wouldn't allow him to see corruption. Jesus was dead and buried, but he didn't stay there, did he? He rose again. Psalm 16 is pointing forward to that. But here's what we know. Since Jesus died and rose again, so will. Aren't you glad eternity is not linked to our performance in some way? 
I'm, I'm really thankful that Jesus said, I'll go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Do you know that in that section of John 14, everything that happens is because of what Jesus does? Jesus asks you to do two things. Turn from your sin and trust in him as the only one who can pay for it. That's what he asks you to do. Repent and believe. And when you put your trust in him, Jesus says, I will give you eternal life. End of story. Now, there's a whole bunch of growth that happens in between. But it doesn't rest in you and me to figure out how to make heaven, heaven. Jesus is doing that. You ever been invited to go to the house of someone you know is going to have an incredible meal for you? Maybe they tell you what they're going to make, and you know they're kind of going, you know, all the way, all the way to the, the nines for it. And even better if they tell you, and you don't have to bring anything, just come. Kristen Brooks is an outstanding host, and whenever the Brooks are like, we'll take care of dinner, I'm like, awesome. It'll be great. If you get invited to go, you should go, right? Um, Kristen's brother-in-law, right, if I get that right? Kent is here. Is that true, Kent? It is true. Amazing. Think about the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to get a place ready for you. Think about the fact that he said, one day when you're with me, we'll sit at a banquet table and enjoy a feast together. And think about what the psalmist says, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Do you believe that? No, no, I mean, do, do we really believe that? We're going back to Maine in July. My parents live out there. And outside of my family, who I love, there's one thing that I deeply look forward to in Maine. If you know me at all, you know this is true. Seafood. For some reason, in this landlocked place we live, where our greatest body of water is a cesspool of salt, the seafood isn't great. Now, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, but it's not. And I can tell you, I search high and low. Every once in a while, I get desperate, and I try to make something work, and every single time, I'm like, hmm, it's Utah. <laughs> now, Utah has a lot of great things about it, and we're thrilled to be here, and I'm not moving back to New England for seafood, all right? But I'll tell you that when I go back to New England, I long for a lobster roll. I long for fried haddock. And, and french fries. I long for anything. Clam chowder that's actually good. Lobster bisque. Lobster stew. Some of you don't even know what lobster stew is. Fish chowder. It's better, trust me, if you go do it. Unless you're allergic, then don't do it. But it would, if I'm honest, I kind of don't have a food budget when I go back to New England. Is this true? Yeah. I kind of get back and go, I have to tighten the belt, you know, macaroni and cheese and hot dogs next week. And I think, man, this is, this is a feast. This is pleasurable. This is, this is amazing. Can I just tell you that that feast, that pleasure, that thing, whatever it is for you, doesn't touch the simple statement that Jesus made that he's going to prepare a place for you. Jesus is the reason you can have a bright future. Number two, the bright future is for the dead and the living, right? This is what the Thessalonians were wrestling with, but look at verse 15. For this we declare to you, that we who are alive, 
who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. That's another word for those who have died. Verse 14 uses the same word. Verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. This is a future for anyone who's trusted in Jesus. I think all of us have relatives who have died, who have put their faith in Christ, and, and, and there's like a waiting period. Now, now, we have to reconcile that a little bit with the fact that the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But there's a resurrection day coming. And nobody's getting left behind. The dead and the living. In an interesting twist, I don't know if it's because they got farther to go, but the dead get a head start. They go first. That's going to be an experience. Right? That those who are in the grave who know Jesus at the resurrection are going. And then uh, so anyone who's alive, like we are today, is going too. You say, someone I know and love died. Death is not the end. I'm still alive. Hey, earthly life is not the end. Amen? Yeah. The, there is a bright future for the living and the dead. Number three, there's a bright future. The bright future itself is being home with Jesus forever. This world is not our home where... I was weak. This world is not our home where... I want to recommend two songs to you if you uh, enjoy music, which you should. And good music. You should enjoy good music. There's a great uh, addition that came out a few years ago to the old hymn, When We All Get to Heaven. How many of you know the old hymn, When We All Get to Heaven? Okay. And we've sung it a couple times here. Not very often, but a couple times. It's by Matt Redman. It's called One Day. And then the parentheses is, When We All Get to Heaven. And he takes the chorus of When We All Get to Heaven and he adds... He updates the verses, which is backwards of what usually happens to hymns in our day. And it goes like this. One day you'll make everything new. Jesus, one day you will bind every wound. The former things will all pass away on that day. And then it goes into when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. And the last verse says, one day we will see face to face. Jesus. Is there a greater vision of grace one day? There's another song we sang when I was preaching back in Michigan in January. I never heard it before, but it's called Almost Home. And it's relatively recent. I think the Gettys wrote it. But it says this, Don't drop a single anchor. We're almost home. Through every toil and danger, we're almost home. How many pilgrim saints have before us gone. No stopping now. We're almost home. That promised land is calling. We're almost home. And not a tear shall fall then. We're almost home. Make ready now your souls for that kingdom come. No turning back. We're almost home. This journey ours together. We're almost home. Unto that great forever. We're almost home. What song anew will sing round that happy throne. Come faint of heart, we're almost home. This life is just a vapor, <clears throat> we're almost home. That sun is setting yonder, we're almost home. Take courage, for this darkness shall break to dawn. Oh, lift your eyes, we're almost home. Almost home, we're almost home. This is the chorus. So press on toward that blessed shore, oh praise the Lord. We're almost home. What do these verses tell us about the return of Jesus? 
Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. It tells us that Jesus is coming personally. The Lord himself will come. Jesus isn't sending someone to get you. He's not sending a car for you. He's not sending an angel to come. He's coming himself. He's returning personally. He's returning loudly. Can you, can you see that? With a cry of command. That's a military idea. To fall into order. Time to go. It's funny that our military movies, you know, I, I think of Braveheart. You know, it's like this, we line up and there's this cry, this shout of command. And Jesus' return will include a cry of command. With the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Why all the noise? Thought about that? I think a little bit to answer the Thessalonians questions. Nobody's going to miss it. You'd be like, is something happening? It is going to be plain as day that Jesus is coming for us. And we will join him. There's an order of operations. We talked about that a little bit. And we'll meet him in the air. We'll always be with him forever. Daniel read Revelation 21, 1 through 4. But I was just thinking the best home ever. The people we get to be with. The peace we will enjoy. The presence of God himself. And then it ends with this, verse 18. So encourage one another with these words. This bright future is something we should be talking about. We should encourage other people with these words. That's pretty specific, isn't it? So I wonder, do a little survey of the encouragement you've offered to people in the last week. Hopefully you've had some opportunity, right? If you haven't had the opportunity to offer anyone encouragement in the last week, then you need to like get out of your hole Meet some people, go to lunch, get a coffee, call somebody, shoot a text, do something. If you haven't had the opportunity to encourage anybody in the last week, then there's something about your world that's not in a good place. I'll just tell you that. Okay, it's not a criticism, it's just fact. So survey your encouragement. How much of your encouragement or my encouragement was, can you believe it? Jesus is coming back. And I've been thinking about what it means to be home with him and to have my, my sin nature destroyed. And, and to have him fix all the relationships that are out of whack right now. Some of us got so many relationships that are broken right now. It's like the Jenga tower that's down and we don't know how to put it back together. I haven't thought about what it would be. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to not worry about how to provide for your family? To not have a care about what's in your bank account? To not have to think about how to obey God in a day because you're battling with yourself? That's what home forever looks like. So I asked myself a question as we wrap up because I had this experience this week as I was preparing. I was like, this should matter to me a lot more than it does. This should actually go a lot deeper into my heart than it does. And I don't know if you're feeling that way at this moment, but if you're a Christian, you know, in, inherently you know that heaven is good and that Jesus dying for you matters and that being right with God and with him is, it's a big, big deal. But if you're honest like me, you might realize you don't really feel that very much. And because we don't feel it very much, we don't share it very much. 
The encouragement that we often share comes from our experience and the things that have worked for us. Why? I think I know the answer. Another C.S. Lewis quote. He says this. Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave it with regret? There are better things ahead than any we will leave behind. And here's the danger. We have it too good. We have it too good. Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus was right there, but he had too much, and he thought he was good enough to not need Jesus, and so he walked away. Do you know how good we have it? And I don't say this to make you feel guilty. I mean, I'm talking to myself with you as a fellow traveler on this road. I will talk with most of you in the next half an hour, and because it's summer, what will be one of our main topics of conversation? Do you have any vacations planned? So we live in a world where we have enough money, or at least we pretend to have enough money, to stop working for a period of one, two, three, four weeks, to be paid to do it, and to go experience all these things. A number of you in this room are retired. You had a good enough job with good enough benefits and, and saved financially enough that you could stop working and literally just do whatever you want for the remainder of your life. Wow. Again, nothing to feel guilty about, but we are bathed in comfort and convenience and security. And so in some way, I think some of us almost hope that heaven is a better version of America. I'll give you an example of how comfortable we are. There are two gas stations on Redwood Road just around the corner from here. If you turn north on Redwood, on, uh, yeah, there are two gas stations at the next corner, Redwood and 114th. Can everybody kind of put that in your brain if you live around here? Okay, they're across the, they're across the street from each other, and one is way better than the other. And so once in a while, I'll figure out my trip home wrong, and I'll have to go to the inferior gas station, which if you know what it is, you know what it is. <laughs> And the pumps aren't that great. And every once in a while, I'll try to buy gas there, and I'll put my card in, and it'll just have an issue. Do you know what I do when the pumps have an issue? I leave. That's how comfortable I am. We're about to experience some discomfort and inconvenience as a church. When this construction project starts, it looks like we're going to have to find a different location to meet for a few weeks. It'll be one of two things. Either we'll meet in a park at about the same time we're meeting now. This is not a survey, by the way. This is just information. <laughs> so if you're like, do we get to vote on this? Okay. 9.30, you know, same deal. Or we've talked to a couple churches, and one uh, seems pretty positive. We had that happen once before, and it didn't happen, so we're not counting our chickens before they hatch. And we'll need to meet in the late afternoon at 3.30. And that will be late enough for the services to be done for that church. And we can meet, and we can still be done before dinner time. Now, we can meet at 10 at night if you want. But those are our options. And do you know what will happen? Some of us will say, being outside is just not, not good for me. Under a pavilion, I, I just don't think I'll be able to make it for a few weeks. I'll, I'll probably just live stream because that'll be better in like the comfort of my own home with the air conditioning and just everything being just so. Hmm. 
or it's the afternoon. Is the afternoon convenient for everybody? No. Those of you who want to sleep in, it's awesome. But we have realities. We have young babies. We have young moms. We have realities. And we have schedules. We have all these things. They're real. But the temptation is going to be, this is too inconvenient. This is too uncomfortable. I probably couldn't make that change for a little while. You know what we hope as pastors? We hope that we can do that. It's not our choice. We're not like, this is amazing. And really, it's not that inconvenient. But it is. It's not that uncomfortable. But it is. Here we are, so comfortable that heaven seems far away. Can I tell you why this doesn't go deep with us? I wrote three things down. Because we think far too much about ourselves and the here and the now, and far too little about him and there and then. We care far too much about ourselves and the here and the now, and far too little about him and there and then. We live far too often about ourselves and here and now, and far too little about him and there and then. It's like we're trying to hold on to jello, people. Say, what? Everything this earth promises that will fill you up and encourage you and really make it last, you know what it is? It's jello. It goes right through your fingers. It doesn't last, it changes, it doesn't satisfy. And that's because we're made for another place. That's because heaven is our home and Jesus is our savior. And that relationship is supposed to be our rock and our refuge. And as long as we chase our families and our jobs and our conveniences and giving our kids a better life and all these other things, you know what we're doing? We're grabbing jello. There's something that can encourage you. And it's not here and now. It's him and there and then. And so it's not surprising that we react in the same way as our unsaved friends and neighbors do to life's hardship like death and we live in a discouraged state. It's no wonder that we don't have much understanding of what it means to have fullness of joy until we embrace and encourage each other with these words. In 1687, John Bunyan wrote the famous book Pilgrim's Progress. Until the mid-20th century, it was the second most purchased book in the world. He wrote it from prison and told the story of pilgrim and faithful and hopeful traveling. And you know what kept them on the path? Do you know what strengthened them along the way? Time and time again, they were reminded, we're going to the celestial city. By the way, that's not a level of heaven. It's heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Does it get you excited? Does it encourage your heart? Have we encouraged others? Because Jesus is coming again. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Oh Lord, how we long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who died to save us and walk with him for all eternity. Lord, please, please, please rescue us from our love of here. We care too much. We think too much. We feel too much for this world and this life and this place. And God, we love Utah. We love being American citizens. What a privilege in the grand scope of history to live at this time and in this place. But, but God, it has the real potential to debilitate our souls, to cause us to run from sacrifice and pain and discomfort. It can make us soft. 
it can weaken our eyes for you. So help us, as Paul said in Colossians, to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth, because we're dead. And our life is hid with Christ in God. Help us to set our affections on things above, not on things on this earth. And we look forward to the day that Christ will appear. And then we will also appear with him in glory. There will be a day. Please sink this into our hearts and help us to follow you fully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.